takes a lot to get on my show Genius, you're probably someone we'd like to know You're really good at stuff, you probably like to dance You like long walks and you wear clean pants Genius, get on to my show Howdy folks, welcome to Living with a Genius I'm your host Omar Crook I have Haim Mazar with me today. He's a film and TV composer. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for a few years. It was really nice to reconnect with him. Uh, he's worked on uh, all sorts of things, documentaries. He's working on a documentary right now. It's a re- this is a really good episode for people who are especially interested in uh, film music, although we have a nice chat just in general because he's such a smart, interesting guy. Um, but all of you folks uh, studying film music or uh, fellow composers that are already in the field, I think you're really going to enjoy this. It's about the process of, of how he creates and um, his background and the challenges he faces in the business. And uh, I found it fascinating, and I think all of you will too. hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for listening, and here's Haim. Friends and a uh-huh. bunch of times, like I remember going over there, we were borrowing like a dulcimer from him. And yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember man. like every time I would go into his studio and be like just gear porn. It's and crazy, it's isn't just it? Crazy, just walls full it's of a stuff. House. I mean, it's a house yeah. converted to it's two a, houses. Right. Right. I mean, it's, right. I mean, the, it's funny. The first time I went over to John's, because I was house, a fan. You, you know, like course, for me yeah. going as an assistant to pick up a dulcimer from John Powell, it was deal. like, dude, I was like geeking out like in Berkeley on his scores. Like, at the, I was like, I'm going to John Powell's studio. Exactly. And I'm trying to like, yeah, I'm here to pick up the dulcimer. And, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's incredibly good. No, I felt the same way um, going to his place the first time. I remember I did a, the very first time I went over there was for Happy Feet 2. And um I'd never met him before. It was set up by a contractor, which was awesome. And uh, Edie, if you're listening, thank you. I still is a big deal. Anyway, um, I got there, and you know he's got that modern studio that's got to be, it's got to be three or four thousand square feet. And I and it was it's awesome, like it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that studio is cantilevered over the recording space, and he's got that glass floor that looks down. Yeah, you know when you're yeah, recording yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, room. Yeah, which is amazing. And um, I was leaving and I said, oh, where, um, where are the living quarters? Like I didn't see, cause I thought it was his house, you know? It's like, do they live, is there another floor or where did they <laughs> There's live? actually another house. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, no, you, so we we're standing at the tennis court. He said, no, if you go across the tennis court and up the path and you see that Spanish style house at the top of the hill, that's their house. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is a, this is a different kind of, this is a different <laughs> kind of deal. That's <laughs> hey. regular folks with, yeah, with right. one house. <laughs> would you, you wouldn't consider like working for another composer now, would you? At this point in your no. career? I mean, you're, you're established. No, I, I, I collaborate, you know, and I'll like, I'm happy to, to, you know, pick up a few cues on somebody else's movies and, sure. and help out. And I do that, you know, with, 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 I'll do that with Frizzell sure. or with, uh, I work a lot with. Uh, do you know Gabriel Mann? Gabe Mann? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Him. I work with Gabe. He he does a lot of TV. Also, Mo- he 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 does Modern Family. Oh sure. Well, I've heard of that. And, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, do you do any ghostwriting? Is that something that you do? I know ghostwriting. A, yeah, I know a guy who ghostwrites. Yeah, I mean, some you know, it's stuff. it's a tricky term, ghostwriting. Um, but um, usually when I... I mean, I don't, want, I, I don't want you to say, like, oh, for who. You no, know, no, no, it's fine. I mean, everybody do. needs help when, you know, 
I, I get extra help when sure. I'm like, when you got to do a score in two weeks and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know, right. you got to get some help. Right. Um, but I do do that. And uh, usually, but it's usually like on the cue sheet or they'll be like, I mean, it's with a credit and everything. So you're not like just in, in the shadows. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, that stuff, I don't really do that much. Because uh-huh. uh, I know a guy, he can't even talk about, I know what he does and it's some big stuff and he, right. he won't even talk about right. it. Right. No, I... I I mean, yeah, I I tend to, not, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah, uh, you're above, yeah. above board. Yeah. It's not about above. I mean, I think for some people, it's like the ultimate situation to be a ghostwriter because like if you don't have to sit through a meeting and you don't necessarily have to like get the, the kind of you harsh feedback. That you, yeah. yeah, so it's like, it's kind of like, you know, you put your head down, you just write the music. Yeah. And if you're good at what you do. So some people, they're not so great on the social aspect of, yeah. of the job. And they're just very good at just writing the music. Yeah. And for those people, maybe like just getting their money and don't don't have to worry about the politics of it all. Right. And they don't want to go to the fancy premieres and, you know, get get interviewed and all that stuff. Sure. So for them, this is like ideal. They get to do what they love. So I don't look at it as like a lesser thing. And, and we all know that like, you know, yeah, in this course. town, like everybody kind of... Well kind of writes and, and help out and, one in particular yeah, and i sure. think the same way about people that hire uh, ha, um, you know ghost writers or whatever or if it's in-house mm-hmm. kind of assistant writing a it's great because like you get you know opportunities like that and mm-hmm. you get experience mm-hmm. and also like they were doing that for somebody else probably if, you know sure. a few years ago when they started so it's kind of like it makes sense to me sure sure um, you were talking about the business earlier and I, I, that john pal again came to mind because he He's, um, I've got a, a very good friend who's a choral composer and, um, and he got into working on some films and John really helped him with the business part of it. That seems to be part of what John does really well too. Is that something that, that you, like when you started in this business, was that a big consideration? Was there a big learning curve on how to, how to conduct yourself in the business part of scoring films? Um, yes, there, there's a learning curve. I luckily for me, I really enjoy that part of of, mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't like I'm you know I kind of do a lot of a lot of it myself. And mm-hmm. uh, again, that's you know work, working for somebody really helps because you can kind of see how he handles himself and what you do, what what an agent does, what a what's manager, reasonable, what's not reasonable to ask for that kind of thing. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, and there's kind of like layers of that. There's <clears throat> the financial, how to how to handle yourself financially, mm-hmm. and then there's like how to handle yourself career-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people will tell you maybe you shouldn't do certain projects, right? Or, or, what choices to make? Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't have, do you have management or I do I, I, I work with uh, I work with a manager and like I the the agency thing is, I mean I've been in like most of the big agencies and. From my experience, I think I think from a lot from, you know, I talk to a lot of friends and colleagues is that people tend to kind of move around based on where they are in their careers. Mm-hmm. And a, a certain agency can be really great for you at a certain state of your career. And, you know, at other times, maybe a smaller agency might be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's all about relationships and networking and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of let... let like the, the relationships that you develop in an agent can be really great at like um, uh, taking that maybe a step further outside or, of your comfort zone a little bit. Or, right. right. And also really great at like, you know, helping you with like, if you're pitching for a project, you can give you some intel and kind of give you the, you know, the inside scoop a little bit and like, oh, they maybe they fired somebody or mm-hmm. they're, 
you know, uh, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. So, so that's something that an agent helps uh, can can definitely help you with. Um, but yeah, like I, I kind of I, I really enjoy it because it's like to me the the the, the best kind of what's interesting about film scoring. One of the interesting things about it is that it requires. Um, a very kind of random set of skills mm-hmm. to be a film composer, at least in LA. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. To have like this random set of skills that have that don't necessarily have anything in common <laughs> right. with each other. Right. Uh, and and it seems like the people who have that you know kind of the package are the ones who have the higher chances of sure. of kind of making it big. And and that set of skill also sk- the set of skills also include, um, I guess kind of self-management mm-hmm. or business or being business oriented and kind of financially responsible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I also see that you have to have tr- tremendous compositional. Well, uh, well I, that's not necessarily true, but I, I feel like the, my favorite scores <clears throat> obviously are tuneful and beautifully written. I mean, anything John Williams has written, of mm-hmm. course, beautiful, but the capacity to write something really good, really fast. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. something that that's yeah. the really fast part of that equation that seems to be particular to to film scoring yeah you know yeah. under under tremendous pressure and being right. able to make revisions overnight right and i think that's because like for most at least for me even for, for a lot of i hear from a lot of film composers is that like the fear of not getting it done mm-hmm. and the deadline is like what that's sparks somehow sparks that creativity mm-hmm. and or like you're being forced to do to do it and, right and, and and for some people like they kind of choke and can't do anything under mm-hmm. under pressure like that and for some for film composers i think they they embrace that and that right. somehow gets funneled out in the form of beautiful music <laughs> i don't know how they do it i mean uh, uh a friend of mine scored a film in two weeks a composer dropped out and he yeah. got a call yeah and i mean a feature feature film yeah big budget yeah. And you just I stay up all night. I, and do it. I guess, or you have lots of people like you <laughs> and say. You, you, just you have a lot of help. You do yeah. got to have a lot of help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now you went to Berkeley College of Music. Yeah. Yes, I did in Boston. Um, did you always want to pursue a career in film composition? Because we had we just had a talk downstairs, and you played a beautiful Gershwin piece on my out of tune Steinway, which <laughs> I didn't realize it was so terrible until you started playing. Um, <laughs> But Thank you, uh, Elmer. <laughs> <laughs> you made it sound better than it has in years. Um, but when you were at Berkeley, I know you. I'm. Let me go back. You started playing piano when you were five. You said yes when we were talking downstairs. Um, now I know one of the things that a lot of my guests have in common is that they knew from a very young age pretty much what they wanted to do. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously because I don't know. I haven't asked you. But did you always want to be in music since the time you were little? Pretty much, yeah. Were your parents um, musical? No, mm. my, my well, they they're they're music lovers, okay. especially my my dad, uh, Usher, who's you know pr- probably my biggest fan and my sure. biggest. But my, both my parents were you know my like huge supporters, and for me, learning music at a young age was kind of like learning uh, the. F- it was like my first language, mm. so it was like I mean I. I it's it's really one that in Hebrew is like the 
first two languages I learned how to speak. Mm -hmm. And it was always what I remember is that I was always drawn to music and it was always um, there was always music in the house. And my dad has like a super eclectic taste. Yeah. What were you listening to when you were anywhere from Beatles to, you know, opera and and, sure. and anything in between country, sure. you name it. I mean, my dad and my dad goes deep. Like and when I was 10, he showed me the wall. But by Pink Floyd, like the whole movie and explained to me how like every brick is like, you know, a finger that you pointed the system and it, it represents <laughs> this. Yeah. Um, so my dad, my dad's a physician and he has this like incredible memory. Yeah. He's an encyclopedia of music and he just gets obsessed with things and he would do these like huge research uh, projects and, and get all these like cassettes in order and would always play cl classical music. And then when I started playing piano, so I was basically like, a, a, one day I, I said I wanted to have a keyboard. Yeah. And then my mom bought me this like little Casio keyboard. And yeah. then very quickly switched over to piano. And it was just easy. Like I didn't have to practice a lot. And yeah. I was always a good student. Um, so it was just part, you know, as far, almost as, as, as far as I remember, it was just like always there. And it was always like the easy thing for me to do. Yeah. So it was very natural. And then, um, I was classically trained and, um, yeah, and it was great. Also, my dad would take me to lessons mm -hmm. and my mom like twice, three times a week. And, uh, you starting, know, would sit with me throughout the whole lesson. When like you were that, five, like that, when, when I was five and six. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, learning Beethoven sonatas and, and my dad would like get into all those details and then go to like the recordings and compare phrasings and, you know, give me his two cents. And he's, he's still, I, to this day, like I was, sometimes I work on a movie project and there's like, they reference a piece of music or there's mm -hmm. like a source piece or something. And I was oh, like on the temp track. Or yeah. Uh -huh. And yeah. I heard this, like, there was like a 20 second segment of something that sounded like a string quartet, like a Beethoven string quartet. Mm -hmm. And I played it to him over the phone and he's like immediately can spot it. You know, it's crazy. Like he really <laughs> knows the entire classical repertoire. Yeah. Um, so a, a lot of it came from him. You know, he was yeah. like a big, I think my taste really became in my work is so like all over the place because of, because of him. Yeah. 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 And Middle Eastern music and, and yeah, you name it. Is I mean, he in Israel still? He is in Israel. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Um, and he sounds like he's pretty liberal. Yeah. Well, no, he, he's, I mean, I, I don't know. He's, 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 yeah, he's just, it, when it comes to music, he's yeah, like, he's he a huge, like, he's, he's, he has the soul of an artist. And uh -huh. He studied flute when he was, when he was like in first grade or something. Um, and his teacher like broke, he made a mistake and his teacher shattered <gasps> the flute right in front of him. And that completely traumatized him, and and that's why he never played the flute again. And <laughs> he never, he never, he never went down that route of, of of playing music. Yeah. Do you think he regrets it? He does. I mean, he lives. I can see. I mean, it, you know, he would like. He, he loves yeah. music. Yeah. He loves it. And 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 yeah. Had you had you con you'd never considered being a doctor? And uh, no, like but that? my dad, my my uh, my brother is. Uh -huh. my, my brother's in in med school right now. He's, yeah. And he's, do you think that experience with your dad, kind of is the thing that helped him promote music to you like to, to encourage you to get into music the fact that he feels like maybe he missed his i mean he's a physician i, I don't want to say he missed his calling i mean you know yeah he's he yeah he saves lives yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh but do you think that has something to do with it um yeah. maybe it must yeah maybe I, I i definitely know that he enjoys a lot of what music has to offer mm -hmm. uh through me being a musician sure. and me growing up um, and I think it's pretty fun for like, 
because because how often when you're a music lover how often do you get to like go go and, and listen to like like my piano teacher she was you know old school and we would talk about how you play inside the piano and mm -hmm. not on it and mm -hmm. and how to phrase things and how to sing melodies and um and like what does it mean to you know what is this why did he switch keys here and all these things and and it's cool to like get really inside i mean you know you're a singer sure. when you do there's there's level of rehearsals that no one gets to be exposed to unless you're in it mm -hmm. you're in the making of it mm -hmm. so i think that part for him was was <clears throat> was cool yeah yeah um and he gets it you know he really he really gets it sure now when yeah. you went to through high school and everything you you maintained your piano did you go to a performing yeah. arts high school or yes there, i you did. did yeah i mean uh -huh. I, I basically grew up in like music schools and mm -hmm. conservatories There's in tel aviv or? Uh, yeah in tel aviv mm -hmm. and one in give a time mm -hmm. uh and then i went to like uh, high school and i majored in music and that was about the time when i started you know kind of saying oh you know classical music is kind of dorky and i want to play i want I, i saw people playing in bands and i thought that was really cool yeah And Except then, the keyboard player is never cool in a band, right? <laughs> But I wanted to be one, so I got like you know I bought like my first synthesizer yeah. and um, and and I really got into jazz and and, oh, nice. and pop music and started playing in ensembles. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the transition point. And I think somewhere around there, right before. You know, in, in Israel, you gotta you gotta do a three year. There's a mandatory military service, right? Three years when you after high school. So I got accepted as a uh, to be an arranger and a keyboardist for the military bands. And around then is when I was kind of like, okay, I've been doing this like you know my whole life pretty sure. much at this point. So and I'm pretty good. I was already making money playing for you know. Yeah, that like, was my next question. Yeah, yeah, I was gigging around as much as you can, you know, in salsa bands and playing like a little bit of like TV shows in Israel. And, yeah, um, and um, yeah, like you know, singer songwriter stuff. I was in a rock band for a little bit. Yeah, and I got to do all of that stuff. So it was like, yeah, you know, and it's like, what a cool way to serve, you know, three years to just like yeah, make music. Jam. Yeah, yeah, and make the troops happy, and and I got to travel the world that way and. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a great experience. And after that, that was basically when I was like, okay, I'm, I'm already a musician. It was already... And that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's when I, I knew I want to... I want to... I didn't know... Not I didn't really started film. composing music mm. and I didn't... I was Yeah, I wasn't really exposed to that stuff um, until I got to Berkeley. And that's when it was... I actually got a scholarship to Berkeley as a, as a jazz piano player. Did you, uh, did you apply to other schools or was Berkeley? I or? went, there's a, Berkeley has this thing called BIN, which is a Berkeley Interna International Network, mm -hmm. which is a number of schools. There's one in Spain and there's one yeah, in Valencia, Israel. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. which uh, those are schools that are like, they operate on their own, but you can transfer credits hmm. um, and they kind of teach like, you know, in the same uh, method mm -hmm. that the Berkeley has this kind of method, especially for jazz theory. Mm-hmm. They're very strong in jazz, aren't they? Yes, yeah. yes. And there's like a very good, you know, long sense of tradition at Berkeley, which I, which I really like. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and, and those schools that kind of teach in the Berkeley system. Uh, and if you go there, then you can transfer credits and you can also audition. They come and they, Berkeley does auditions all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I went to that school for a year and then I, I was able to transfer a lot of credits to Berkeley uh, in Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how that went. What but was that like moving moving away for the first time? It was 
It was, I mean... <laughs> I guess you'd been traveling with the military, but... You I, I was, yeah, but it's nothing like, like it. Like moving, actually leaving Israel. Yeah, it Israel. was crazy. It was, yeah. it, was, um, it was exciting. And like, I still, sometimes I feel like I'm, I just, you know, I kind of left on this trip and <laughs> I haven't yeah. came back since. Right, right. Um, it, it was exciting and scary. And I mean, the, the three years in Boston was, was, were like the best three years of my life. In Boston, the great town, yeah, just it was, on its own. It was so much fun. And yeah. I always tell like my friends um, and, and anyone who gets to have the privilege of, of studying abroad, um, especially in the United States, I mm -hmm. think the college experience here mm -hmm. is on its, I mean, it doesn't even matter what you study, just to be in a city like, like Boston where you're surrounded by people from all over the world your right. age and uh and the facilities and and just it was incredible i mean it was so much fun and it was like surrounded by but surrounded by music and friends and right all styles and all colors and you know shapes and it was so much fun and were you were you gigging in boston too or were you uh, just yeah studying? a little bit yeah. i mean i worked i worked in the school as a um um in the library, in the mm -hmm. media center, mm -hmm. um, as part of your scholarship, or there was there was yeah, kind of mm -hmm. like a, a work study kind of a right. thing, uh, right. and um, and over there also that's that's really when I was when I was kind of when I started getting exposed to film music was by by kind of by coincidence I was putting a, books away and I saw uh, th this book that was like intro to film scoring. And, it, and and I opened it and it was right on the chapter of, of John Williams and Steven Spielberg talking about, um, you know, their collaboration and yeah. recording in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, it was like, whoa. Right I, 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 I was like, Bathed whoa. You know, light. Okay, yeah. you can, that's what I want to do. Like, yeah. That's cool. Really? That's and good. I actually wanted to be an orchestrator. That's what I was, what, what I was drawn to the most. And I still love is like the mechanics of making music. Yeah. You know, like making parts and like to me, it's great. It's so cool. Like when the first thing I do when I go to like an opera house or a Broadway uh, theater is like go look at the pit, you know, and like see, what, what is that? Does he have headphones? You know, is there like a monitor? It's so cool to me. It's and, yeah. and the making of it and making all the pieces work and uh, I love it. So yeah, yeah. so like being an orchestrator and doing it on such a grand. Uh, uh, scale and and with like these huge orchestras and yeah um, and all these like different types of music I w that I was like that you know I, I want to do that yeah. that that was really cool and then somehow it, was, it, it it moved to composing um, and and um, I mean had you considered other lines of, of compositional work other than film I, I feel yeah you know, I mean I do I do a lot of things okay. you know yeah uh, I'm a I'm a big, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in kind of like do, you know, if, if you're good at something and you can do it then, then and you can make a good living doing it, then no, you know, unless it's stopping me to do something else or it's hurting me mm -hmm. in a certain way, um, then why not do it? And, mm -hmm. and like, I really, like I said, like I, I grew up listening to all these kinds of music that to me, that's like very rare where I look at something and I say, this is beneath me, you know, I don't want to do that. That's like cheap or like that's bad music right or like you know that's not quality enough for me i'm i'm i really i enjoy because i think i enjoyed the it's like lego to me it's mm -hmm. like making music the mechanics of how to make music is just cool to me it's like and i don't care if it's like a hip-hop track or mm -hmm. or an orchestral piece um, i mean what's your wheelhouse what's the thing that really gets you excited is, is it as as it comes is it collaboration is it 
is it straight up composition like working by yourself what, what's I the think that the that moment when i get to like like wh whatever okay so what I, what i mostly do is music for movies mm -hmm. and, and and uh and tv mm -hmm. but i also do a lot of other things like music for commercials mm -hmm. and music for short films and i just did a mu music for a uh, i wrote a score for a, a virtual reality short um so like i guess it's music for media with mm -hmm. emphasis on on films because mm -hmm. ideally that's what you know that's what i want to do uh, primarily mm -hmm. uh however i i really get be, i i get all these different opportunities that just kind of come my way from you know the different people i know mm -hmm. um and they all have one thing in common that i enjoyed the most which is that they're all like kind of i don't know how it is for you but it's like a riddle like how do you make this challenge work in the best way possible right and if it's composing music then there's that moment where you kind of like okay you know these are the themes this is like it's kind of clicking together and then it's it's almost like just joy you just like okay you know i found my lego pieces and now i get to build this awesome fortress with right it. right you know that's how all these things have these moments these like points where you, you just kind of get it and you solve the problem and then you only get to play with it for 10 more minutes and it's over <laughs> right right but that's the best part to me that's like you know whether it's like like we worked on this like yeah musical Broadway thing, thing yeah. together mm -hmm. and it was like how do we take these songs and we arrange and record them in like a very short time and make it work right. you know right with what with with the limitations that the scenario presents sometimes it's deadline sometimes it's budget sometimes right. whatever um, did you hear that that thing went to stage? I no. performed it. I was I was. Burning. Did you really? Yes. And how did it go? Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was what it was. No, it was fine. I, I mean, for me, for me, it was great because I, I don't, I don't have a lot of broad, you know, musical theater style experience. So, and I, I kind of echo what you were saying. I, I really enjoyed the cast. the The story was, n it was not great um but the singers were great the the ensemble was great we did it at the morgan wixon theater in santa monica that was a nice little theater oh, cool. uh but yeah i i feel the same way like if there's a project like for john powell's movie i, I was a singing penguin now i didn't go <laughs> i didn't spend six years in music school to be a singing penguin you that didn't? being said, <laughs> that being said, I, it was a blast, and I got to talk to George Miller over video right. chat, you know, right. for hours from Australia. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this this is the Mad Max guy and and the pig movie dude, and <laughs> now we're doing this with him. This is amazing, and I got I formed a friendship with John, and we he took me to South America to premiere one of his pieces, and uh, you know, so those are I I agree with you, like saying no based on some idea that the that it's beneath you like you said is a real it's a bad idea i think i feel like saying yes and changing your mind is much less of a problem than just saying no like straight up yeah yeah um and you can change your mind that's I, right you know you can do right. that it's not the end of the world right i think it's pretty rare where like you know taking on a job would would hurt you yeah like that's when you say no yeah, because like if I take that job, I will you I know not able to get my something. schedule, and yes. I won't deliver on anything on all my other commitments. Yes, it's just the the one the too many. <laughs> yes, well, um, I mean, what do you do when a when a producer comes in and says, "Hey, um, 
I need, I'd like to have my niece uh, sing on this soundtrack or like, uh, I think one of, one of the you, complaints. You, you say yes, yeah. no problem, you know. <laughs> First of all, I, I, did you see the movie The Wrecking Crew? Yeah, sure. Okay, of so Tommy Tedesco gives sure. this advice. He's like, you know, what do you do when they call you and they tell you, can you be there in forty-five minutes? And you're clearly three hours away. Like, first of all, you say yes. yes. You know, yeah. You you figure it out yeah, later yeah, yeah. how how to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, man. I get these curveballs all the time. We're like, you know, you just it, to For me, some... it's fun. It's like it's 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 another another part of the challenge. It's like you know how to how to incorporate that. See, that in, takes a special it. type of personality. I think I don't think everybody's equipped to do that. When somebody who's never studied music doesn't know anything about music has all the control over what you're producing, that's a big problem, I think, for some composers. It is, but I, I mean, I can't think of any movie where, where there isn't a little bit of that going on. Right. Where somebody who's not a musician, right, or even very knowledgeable at how to use music in movies, would be the one that would have a major opinion about what it is that you're doing right so one i would imagine one of your skills or one of the requirements of the job is to be able to convince and to sell your ideas yes knowing but, that it's better for the project than what they're recommending yeah absolutely yeah that that does happen sometimes where you kind of have to protect people from their from hurting their Themselves. own their own movie mm -hmm. uh with bad decisions and there's like you know there's like different ways of doing it it's mm -hmm. the art of uh, mm -hmm. uh of getting your cue approved yeah and it can be subtle things like just playing them multiple versions without even talking about it mm -hmm. and letting them kind of decide on their own or or you know sitting and trying to read their body language and based on that you know answering or or trying to push hard or not uh, sometimes you got to fight over it. You got to like have a loud discussion or, mm -hmm. you know, show it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. But I mean, and, and I guess, I guess it's, it also depends on like your status as a composer. Right. Um, and who it is you're working with because, because I also found out, you know, um, that, that sometimes people are not very interested in what you, or maybe they tell you that they're interested in what you want, you have to say or what you think but deep inside you know or or maybe they're unaware of it and they just like no in other words sometimes nobody nobody wants to, to you know for for them for anyone to say that their baby is ugly you know what i'm saying <laughs> even if he's ugly sometimes so there's an art of 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 dealing with that kind yeah. of a situation yeah. yeah um so you don't even see it as a compromise you just see it as part of the challenge of, the, it is. of that job it is and 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 my point was i guess when you're like a more established composer maybe then you can or or you have a very established kind of confident uh, uh relationship with with the people a you're working with director you can just say him. like no you know this is just an absolute mistake and i'm not even going to explore that direction mm -hmm. i mean you know i don't know if that, that really happens I've, i don't I, know if that happens. i've never heard yeah. i've talked to john powell at great length about these things just over a beer or on the podcast i think they they, I don't they think enjoy he does that. that you yeah. enjoy the challenge and then they'll does. go all the way there yeah. and they'll probably find something cool you know out, yeah. out of it so yeah maybe that's um, where the greatness uh, lives in that in i that personally kind of embrace that and it's part of the challenge and and and, and i welcome it yeah and like i said it's kind of like a riddle like how do you make it work yeah and there's nothing more satisfying than like when it all clicks together it's funny work. because i know some composers that kind of do film composition because they can and because they make a lot of money doing it but they but the passion projects are always something else it seems like you really 
you're really in the groove with what you like you really dig it yeah and I, and and i do so many different things right so like uh i get to satisfy all these little you know desires that i have as a musician so mm-hmm. for example this past the past two months i finished it i finished a comedy film a feature called deported the mm-hmm. the music was you know kind of like a a, a a band-based score mm-hmm. with wurlitzer drums percussion a lot of guitars electric and acoustics mm-hmm. and and um ukuleles and kind of like a fun stoner beach cool groovy score yeah uh and and that then after that i did um i just did this kind of african score for for uh uh, for this documentary that takes place in Sudan. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, and and did you uh, do you have to go out and find the instruments for that? How do you? Well, there was that? that was done in like that was done in forty eight hours. That score. Yeah. How? And um, well, I mean, where'd you get the sounds? Oh, okay. So first of all, I have um, uh, you bring musicians in, and you bring good musicians that can give you those sounds. So you know, I work with a really great percussionist named Dave Allen that does a lot of really cool things and. Um, um, I, it starts with like doing research about the, about the sound, you know, what is Sudanese music? Right. And I actually did another movie last year called out of the village, mm-hmm. a short film that was produced by Brian Singer. Um, really, really good movie with the kid from, um, um, uh, beasts of no nation. Mm, sure. Abraham Atta. Yeah. So it, it, he's the star of this short um and it takes place in west africa mm-hmm. um so i did a lot of research for that and i kind of figured out this recipe mm-hmm. of how to take uh these ethnic sounds mm-hmm. and both the directors on both of those projects, they didn't want it to be like super on the nose, like, okay, we're just going to play this with like traditional African music. Right. They right. wanted it to be like cinematic, intense, and almost like a Cliff Martinez score. Sure. Uh, with drones and everything, but that, but I, but we wanted to make it work with sounds mm. of, of, you know, with African instruments. So, did you need a tune? Oh, I mean, if I needed to write tunes, you yeah. Mean? I mean, did you need to write tunes? Well, for that? there was the were yes, there were a couple ones where I had to kind of do like um, uh, like a folk song. I mean, that's I'll, what I mean. So that was what that's later. what I was getting at. Like, how do you yes. do? You, do you just type in Sudanese folk music and just listen to tracks you, and and, yeah, and you, reorchestrate those tunes? Or no, what do you no, no. To, oh, 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 I didn't have to work like, with with orig- with with existing folk tunes. Uh-huh, no, uh-huh, no, no, no. Uh-huh. But I did have to write for Out of the Village. I had to. I, I didn't have to write, but it felt proper mm-hmm. to kind of end it with this it actually was written for the middle of the film but we used it for the end and it was uh, uh this kind of tune that sounded like a folk song mm-hmm. um and i'm very good at like uh fi- and i think a lot of film composers are good at doing that mm-hmm. were okay so i've never wrote like a folk like a west african folk song, right right that's what right? i'm getting at yeah right, right. i'm an israeli right i was born uh, grew up in israel right um so why do i know and yet like you said you had 48 hours so that's why i'm really well like, yes how do you do that's that? for the second movie i'm still talking about the first one uh-huh, where it was a bit longer than that but sure. uh so I, I would go and listen to, I mean, you know, you can use Google, YouTube, sure. you know, iTunes, and you go and you just listen to like the best of. And then what you quickly, what I found out is that there's like, okay, so there's like, there's like kind of 
pop music, mm -hmm. African pop music, mm -hmm. there's folk music, there's traditional music, there's there's all these kinds of music. Like in every uh, culture. Yeah, like in every course. culture. Mm -hmm. And then, you, but you kind of very quickly, you find out the through line in all of yeah. them. And yeah. sometimes it's a pentatonic scale. Sometimes it's instruments that keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's both. Sometimes Whatever it's Whatever that rhythms. flavor is, yeah. And, and, and I'm very good at, at like kind of cracking the DNA code of music. So I can listen to like, string quartet music, you know, uh, um, um, uh, what makes a Mozart string, and I'm not saying that I can write right, like right, Mozart, right. no, God right, forbid, right. I wish, but so I, can can, I can it. certainly identify it on almost on a mechanical level, you know, on what's, what makes it tick mm -hmm. uh, without like, I'm not talking about like copying phrases or some or anything like right. that, but just like kind Hallmarks of- marks of whatever what that makes it, you know, does. what ingredient, like in food, like, okay, what is it? It's, 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 it's based on potatoes and you know, and there's like, mm -hmm. I can, there's garlic mm -hmm. and, and whatever and mushrooms and that. Those and are like probably the from this part of the world. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm very good at doing that and then going and recreating something like that. For the one that was done in 48 hours, obviously, you know, I kind of had to dig in very, very quick. Um, and what I found out that there are some instruments, some African instruments that are in common that, that you know, that I could take these old recordings that I did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did um, recorded. I mean, you you know, the, the wonderful George Daring, you know, amazing guitar player. Mm -hmm. and, um, one of the, you know, just a master of, of anything with strings on it. Right. Um, so I recorded him doing a bunch of interesting kind of textural drones and these long notes and long phrases on different instruments. And some of them are not even, you know, or uh, the origin is not even in Africa, but he can make them sound like they are. Mm -hmm. uh, same with woodwinds. You know, there's a flute in in West Africa called the Fula flute. And I listened to a lot of that and I was thinking like, okay, so I got to feature a Fula flute. Mm -hmm. Very quickly, I found out with, I recorded another great musician, Peter Gordon, mm -hmm. um, that you can basically make any flute sound like a Fula flute huh. uh, if you play it in a certain way. Um, so, and, and then it kind of makes you think like, okay, so maybe it's cooler if I just don't use a Fula flute and yeah. I just re record a different kind of flute and make it, you know. In the style of. In the yeah. style of. And that's when you get into this interesting place of like, that to me is where you get to be original nowadays, is when you can kind of mishmash yeah. something, two things together and almost, you know, hopefully maybe be the first one who did, who created music using this kind of an instrument. Yeah, or, well, in, uh, playing in a non-traditional way, yeah. Right, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's so hard, like, you know, every, like we already had Miles Davis and we already had the Beatles and we already had Beethoven. And Ribsky had Korsakov Bach, that used all the instruments exactly So the all the orchestration, you know, yeah. it's all been done. So yeah. like, what does it leave us with? How do we make new music? And the yeah. frequencies are the same, you know, we can't hear in dock territory yet. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's like John Cage, you know, you just throw newspapers how, and paper clicks oh, in the right. the piano, and suddenly it sounds like something else. Right, yeah. right. So to me, it's like it's almost like we're in the mashup era, era mm. where to create something unique, it just kind of like you know, you see it in pop music. It's like there's nothing new. What's new is the reuse of sampling in a more reversed engineered interesting way, mm -hmm. and then somehow bringing Justin Bieber with with you know uh i don't know Paparotti with, with hans yeah, zimmer yeah, exactly, and Paparotti yeah. right. to do a score right. together yeah. you know it's right. a, um <laughs> oh that's interesting so yeah i uh there's a lot of that going on in film music yeah and and that's again going back to like my my kind of 
this fun just like geeking out over like okay so how do i take like a dulcimer and uh and a djembe and you know and this like kind of african percussion or voices or whatever it is and how do i make how do i use those instruments and i make like a modern kind of minimalistic tension score sure. out of that you know and do you work by yourself i mean when i when we worked together a few years ago you were at the studio in West LA. Are you still? I'm still there. Still there. And yeah. do, you, do you do all of this? Part? I mean, do you do the mastering? Do you do everything? No, 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 no. I do. I mean, work? I have a team that I work with. You do. Uh -huh. I, I, uh, a lot of times, will be an assistant that will help me with the kind of day to day, and, uh -huh. um, and then uh, I'll, I do a lot of, I'll, I do a lot of it myself in the, in the sense that when I write the music, I, there's mixing and engineering going on, but. If, you know, if I'm working, if there's an orchestra that needs to be recorded, I'll have, a, you know, at least one or two orchestrators mm -hmm. that will help me and, and, and kind of take care of that. But you do the logic work and all that stuff? I yourself? do a lot. Yeah, I do everything, uh -huh. uh, everything in logic and uh -huh. I do it. I mean, I almost a lot of composers, I think the if you can, like people will do that because. Yeah, my best friend works on pay, pencil and paper. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, for me, it, it, it works a lot of by the way a lot of this these kind of specific scores because there's no like there's no big melodies and big harmonies it's really like the, sometimes i would have a you know a minute that won't have a melody in it it's just like creating the soundscape and mm -hmm. and you got to manipulate the, the 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 sounds you're using with uh with plugins and right. and kind of these, these software and audio manipulation and you that's kind of what the writing of the music is almost like how do you make those uh those sounds kind of move around in in the most compelling way for mm -hmm. the film mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and that's the other thing is that you're kind of a slave to the picture that's right um so everything you do kind of it's really nice having it constantly be synced up mm -hmm. with the picture mm -hmm. um, and also with dialogue i i like to hear what i what i do you don't do any of the ADR work and stuff. That's somebody else. Yeah, you, only the music. Yeah, I don't do. Yeah, I don't yeah. do any of that. Mm -hmm. um, and also, what I also started doing a lot is like working with music editors in the sense that like I'll write a piece of music, and I'm trying to do this more and more. Like in the, over the last like two years, mm -hmm. I started noticing it. Mm -hmm. Where like I would write music uh, to a grid, and I would write like with a click. And and you know in you mean a, almost like you're writing a screenplay with the note cards where you you actually like lay it all out and you can see. The structure of the whole film or what no what do you no mean? no I'm, I'm just saying like my approach for composition yeah. in general is kind of like bar by bar by bar and kind of like writing not necessarily in the in the, in the movie order so mm -hmm. i won't necessarily start from the beginning of the movie and end but when i write a piece of music mm -hmm. i'm thinking in a musical in a very musical way of like okay so this 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 melody has to end on this beat or on that beat but because i'm working with picture I'm kind of like moving, rebarring the music and making it work with the picture, which is fine. Mm -hmm. That's great. But when you do that, you kind of get into this, I, get, I call it the grid. You get in the grid of like kind of being a slave of this structure. And okay, so it has to be a five beat, you know, So it becomes phrase. mechanical. It, it does. It mm -hmm. becomes mechanical. And, and not, you know what? It's not even about it becoming mechanical. It's kind of like all you can see is what you're hitting in this grid. But mm -hmm. this wonderful thing happens when you're done. Mm -hmm. Almost on every movie I worked with, you did take the music and you put it in the right place. And, and sometimes you just move it, mm -hmm. you know, like two seconds to the right, two seconds to the left. Mm -hmm. And it plays totally different in a way that you wouldn't expect. And 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 it's it's right there. You don't. So have it's to almost do born at that point. It's like it becomes something of its own. 
it's you know what it's it's probably the difference between like composing on the piano and composing in your head I see. it's kind of like that it becomes real we're, we're like it's not like you can't write amazing music on the piano mm-hmm. but whether you like it or not you are limited or you're kind of programmed to do what your fingers are allowing you to do mm-hmm. and when you compose in your head you're not the limited by limit. anything hmm. and that's the same way when you work and when you write the music, you're you're in this piece of music, and you're writing measure after measure, and you're matching it up. But when you just take the finished audio file and you just schlep it on against picture in various places, yeah. first of all, it's easy. It's like bam, bam, and it's, sure. and you see all these things, and happy accidents happen. So I've I've I have this thing now where I'm just like taking all the music that I do, and I just purposely try to shuffle it around and, yeah. and see and kind of. Getting rid of the and piano, you know, you know you right know. away when it when it hits. Oh yeah, I mean that's how that's how like the best thing the best things happen because yeah. it's like you're you're you know it's just happy accident and you're like allowing freedom and just experimentation. Tell me how you start. Do it when is a film delivered uh, after it's after the picture's been locked? Is it delivered to not you? Not always. <laughs> so it's not always delivered nuts to bolts. No. Start to sometimes finish. you get you get like it all depends on this on the project. But if you sometimes you get hired before they even shot the film. Yeah, or right. If it's an animation movie, they they've been working on it for like five years. Right. Um, but if so, if you get you get started, if you get hired very early on, a lot of times they'll like I'll, I'll probably write some demos based mm-hmm. on a script. And like talking to the director. You start collaborating at that point. Yes. And you start sending ideas back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you walk me through this, you sit down at your desk, you turn on this clip or or a scene or whatever. What do you do? Do you just sit and watch it to begin with? Do you, let's say that you've never seen it before. What, how, how do you get music to that picture? It's a great question. Um, There's, basically two situations where one is that you get to see the movie without any music uh-huh. in it no temp track nothing there's no temp track or maybe there is a temp track but somehow you get a hold of a copy that doesn't have it and right you, it's okay your choice i mean the temp track must screw things up sometimes for you it, in your head it does. It's, right it's good because and bad it, you it know. shows expectation on their part and you're and you're not i would imagine temp tracks i wouldn't want to hear it ever <laughs> they are they are good and bad, you okay. know. But the reality is that they're almost always there, uh, unless I mean, yeah, I've, I've been in a couple of situations actually recently where there wasn't a temp track, and it was awesome because mm-hmm. that's truly how you can get something original going. The problem, the biggest problem with the temp track is that once it's once you see the movie with the with certain music on it like you can't undo that that's it's what in, i mean you know, it's in your head that's what i mean uh and it completely changes the way you approach the 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 the, the, the scoring project however if it's a good temp track or if it's something that was done well or even if it was done poorly it can help you tremendously because it can point out it's like okay definitely let's not do that mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. let's not use this like Let's not use piano and strings on this movie because mm-hmm. it's just like this makes it super, you know, cheesy or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or they've screened it with this temp track and everybody seems to hate the music. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. not necessarily a bad thing. Okay. You know, you're like, okay. And the other thing that it, it kind of helps you is um, get a glimpse into like, how are these people think? What are they thinking? That's and what, what, I mean. what are right. they trying to do here? Right. Um, I guess and, that'll help you foresee some problems down the road, yes, like the challenges that yes, you have. Yes, right? and it can kind of, it can help you, it can, 
obviously they have a tone, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like what, what kind of music are they using? So that can be helpful to guide. Um, but, but like, yeah, like I said, it's like most of the time there is a temp track mm -hmm. uh, and you have to deal with it. And mm -hmm. you do most of the time when I watch the film, there'll be some music in it. And mm -hmm. then most of the time it's not going to be very good. This is like the reality of right. the temp tracks, at least right. the stage that I see it. I mean, do you ever mute it and just watch yeah. it? Yeah. I and mean, then, I mean, what, what I've, I guess my question is when you don't have a temp track and you're just looking at moving pictures, does music just come to you? Do you have to fiddle with it? What? Do you ever have a situation where it's just like, oh, this is, I see what I see what this needs already. I I would say that overall you learn um, to get, you know, to get good at, at 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 knowing what a piece of you know what picture what kind of music something would need or what the music should be doing mm -hmm. you know what what problems is it there what is it helping what is it trying to what is it supposed to do mm -hmm. um but i don't know about hearing music so like i can look at a movie mm -hmm. and 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 get a you know get a good first impression and say okay well you know this definitely needs this kind of propulsive uh dark score um you know and like maybe i'll have an idea of like an, an overall sound um, or like an album that I like or mm -hmm. some some kind of m musical reference that mm -hmm. I can start, you know, holding on to in theory. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, that, that that that's that's a skill on its own, I guess, to like be able to 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 know what where to go, what kind of music right. to do. But it's very rare that I'll watch like, you know, I'll watch something and then it's like music. Ah. Will, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work like that for yeah. me. I, I need to. I do a lot of I okay so I work in like in 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 a way where I I try to like improve my chances of writing the best piece of music mm -hmm. for whatever I need to do and that's because you usually get like one chance yes mm -hmm. you can do multiple versions but mm -hmm. you don't want to scare people you want to write the right music right mm -hmm. away and you don't want to like kind of fumble through it sure and, sure um so I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing, and 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 there's usually no time to like redo it over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I'll I like to do homework and and uh, talk to the director a lot, talk to the producer first of all, see what the people that hired me for the job what what they have in mind and what mm -hmm. they want to do, and sometimes it'll be really helpful feedback. Sometimes it'll be really confusing. Feedback. Sure, sure. But what <laughs> you do you know? do when you get stuck? When I get stuck? Yeah, comp uh, compositionally. Uh, I take a break, you know, yeah. I, I, I learned that I can do that um, and I'll move on. That's the beautiful thing about moving, working on a movie is that like there's so much music to write. So if I get stuck on a segment, oh, a section. I'll just I go see. to a different scene. I see. Uh, yeah. And, and sometimes I find that like things will just kind of solve themselves. Right. You just yeah. go into this path and you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'm kind of stuck. And then you go and you somehow you write this theme. Yeah, or, and your mind or is still working on that old problem. In a problem. different thing. And then yeah. you're like, you know what? That'll be great for that. And it, and it just kind of works itself out. Yeah, yeah. That's the riddle part of it, yeah. you know? Um, but then the other thing that will happen is that I'll get stuck and then it'll just be like literally like one, they're coming in one hour or two hours right. and I have yeah, yeah. nothing left. I have nothing to present and it'll just happen and I can't explain how. That There are some bizarre times, usually at like four in the morning, yeah. where like really great, a great musical idea comes to you and it's just like, okay. You what know. do you do? Do you get up and write it down? 
Do you hum yeah. it? Oh, yeah. I hum it on my phone. And I play it on a piano at home. Or, or yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that happens. And it's it's so cool. And again, it's like the composing in your head part. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to do more and more of that. Yeah. A lot of times, also, what I'll do is like I'll, I'll, I'll work on something on the piano or I'll, or I'll, I'll listen to some music to get inspired. Uh, and then I'll try to make it work kind of with the picture. And I'll, I'll basically jam on my keyboard yeah. and try to make it work. And then I'll take a break and go outside and go on a walk or like take my dog on a walk. And then and then I'll try to like take that idea and, and, and do it in my head, you know, and like hum it. And like, I don't know about you, but it's like the weird thing about humming is that you really got to trust yourself that when you listen back to the one liner you sang, you're hearing all those harmonies that you exactly. heard below it. Yeah. Because I'm hearing this like music in my head, this this whole thing. You only have one part. And you're just singing like, ba, da, da, dee, da, da. you know, and you're like, what was I, what does that mean? Uh, no, but I always, I always remember it. Yeah. And if there's a piano, it's good to like, you know, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll try to like transcribe it from my head quickly. And just yeah. do it. Yeah. Just like um, Mozart. But like if you can do that and like sometimes you just need to like your meat and potatoes. Like what's the main idea? What's and if you and I try to like more and more just stay away from the piano and just do it like in my head. Huh. And do it like not not when I'm in my studio by my piano. Sure. You know? Like sure. come up with something original like that. Sure. And what are you working on now? What's what's on the table? Um I'm about to start to start a film uh, called uh, Ghost of the Republic, which mm -hmm. is a documentary mm -hmm. um, about a very interesting subject, which is uh, um, uh, uh, in France, if you, uh, if, if you were... Uh, sorry, I'm going to have to use the uh, baby filter on this. Section, oh. <laughs> <I think. laughs> does, does, uh, yeah, does uh, isotope, does isotope yeah, have yeah, a, yeah, a baby yeah, plug-in? Yeah, yeah. The crying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, um, man, go on. No, so, um, uh, yeah, this movie is about um, if you're a gay couple in France and you want to adopt a baby, you want to have a baby, yeah. um, then uh, you can go, you know, to different, like the United States and yeah. have get a surrogate mother and, um, and have a baby. Yeah. And then when you come back to France, uh, that baby is not considered a citizen. Right. It's until five uh, years or something? They actually or? call them, uh, they call them ghosts of the Repu Republic. Wow. And that's the name of the movie. So right. it follows this um, gay couple who uh, travels to uh, Las Vegas and basically, you know, just kind of does this whole journey with them. And then there's another story, um, more like a court story of this other guy um, who is um, trying to get uh, his son to become a citizen. Mm -hmm. But but uh, he's kind of doing it in a very aggressive kind of fighting the system, fighting the court. Mm -hmm. So there's like these two stories going on. And, and are they basically uh, uh, children of no nation at that point? Like they, they don't have a nationality because I, are they American citizens? No, it's, I don't know. What, I mean, how does that work? I mean, I'm not sure what they're, what they're considered. Crazy. And I haven't seen the movie yet. You know, I only saw yeah, yeah. parts of it. So yeah. I'm, this is like when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. You know, how yeah. does that work? Exactly. Right. What, what, what do they qualify? Especially in a place like France where you get, you know, you get so much, so many benefits. The entitlements. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, but I think it's like also like the sense of pride and sure. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, this. Uh, uh, Which do you prefer? Do you like the documentaries or do you like uh, fictional feature? I like them both. I mean, yeah. I, I think documentaries are like kind of they're 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 
kind of getting hipper late yeah. in the la- past few yeah. years and there's some really good ones and uh, you can i would imagine you can uh, i love documentaries right i do too that's what i mean like I, I would imagine as a as a composer that you could really associate with it on a more emotional level or a more yeah know, especially because my wife is pregnant and oh. you know and, and 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 it's like when i watch this footage and about the time that i'm gonna work on this movie which is like in a month or so uh, it's really gonna be parallel to you like know. She's she's set, my she's, wife is twenty weeks pregnant. Wow! And the baby is due in August. Congratulations, and, uh, man! The movie is like gonna have to be done before that, so it'll be cool. I'm excited, you know, as a father to like get because yeah. there's a lot of footage in 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 the labor room and yeah. ultrasounds and and sure. I'm like I'm we're going through all of that and this is gonna be our congratulations, newborn, you know, man! Firstborn, so that, I didn't know that yeah. until this second. Oh yes, that's, that's the real news. You know, that that's is terrific. the most important thing. Yeah. Well, I bet you hyperventilated Definitely. when you came in and saw the toys everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that'll be my biggest achievement. It, it sure. certainly has been mine. Sure. Hey, for listen, sure. man, it's been great having you on the show. Yeah, Omar, thank Thanks for you. coming over. Pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was Haim Mazar, everybody. I want to thank Haim for coming over to the house. I really appreciate it. It's always nice catching up with old buddies, and this was no exception. I also want to thank uh, Michael Geiger for helping me with my theme song. Still loving it, buddy. Go to laclassical.com and say, hey, man, I really like that theme song. Can you help me become a better singer? Because I've heard you're a terrific voice teacher, too. And he is. I've taken lots of lessons with him. And I'm still working, so there you go. I want to thank Michael Nielsen for letting me hang on to a Shure SM7B microphone. Love it, man. Go to michaelnielsenmusic.com and say, Wow, you're really good at this stuff. Omar sent me over. And, hey, man, I don't know. It's silly. We're in the middle of Hell Week at the Opera. I want to wish all of my colleagues uh, a healthy week leading up to our opening to uh, Hoffman, which is coming up pretty quick. We've got a dress rehearsal at the end of the week. Hope you all have a great Monday. Thank you all for listening. Have a terrific rest of your week. we got a little rain coming, so uh, make sure you got the, the tarpaulins handy. Your windshield wipers are new. Get those uh, rain jackets out. Hang them on your hooks batten down the hatches. Thanks for listening. Until next time. You like long walks and you wear clean pants. Genius. Get onto my show.